Hello, welcome to the Healthy for Men podumentary series. My name's Tom Rowley. I'm the editor of Healthy for Men magazine. Before we get going, just a quick partnership announcement. This episode is brought to you by Bounce Foods. Now, Bounce's mission is to inspire positive change in the way people eat, think, and live, which is what the Healthy for Men podumentary series is all about. If you haven't tried Bounce Balls before, they're full of high-quality protein, high-quality vitamins and minerals, and they're great for when you're on the go and you need a quick snack. There's also a vegan option called V-Life, which are made from almonds and plant protein. Super tasty, super convenient. Grab a Bounce Ball from any Holland and Barrett store throughout the UK or visit bouncefoods.com for more information. Hello, welcome to the Healthy for Men podumentary series in association with Holland and Barrett. My name's Tom Rowley. I'm the editor of Healthy for Men magazine. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the first episode of the Healthy for Men podumentary series. If you haven't, go check it out. Uh, and if you're not sure what a podumentary is, every monthly episode that we release is a documentary-style episode that comprehensively explores a trending, controversial topic that we believe is really important. In the first episode, we've explored anxiety and we spoke to a host of specialists to really understand what the difference is between a natural healthy reaction to our environment and a mental health disorder. Uh, But this episode is the first in a series of bonus episodes where we release the full interviews from our podumentary episodes. Today, you'll hear the full interview with Bruce Parry, the award-winning filmmaker and ex-commando. Bruce recently released his movie To Why, in which he spent time with a tribe in Borneo called the Penan. Now, the Penan tribe are considered to be the last true egalitarian society on the planet, which means they have no hierarchical system. Uh, They engage Engage much more with each other. Uh, Bruce believes that they're constantly meditating because they're constantly having to be aware of their environment and that we can learn a lot from uh, the Penan people about mental health and how to live in a more positive state of mental well-being. Later on in the episode, we also speak to uh, the founder of Head Talks. Now, Head Talks aims to provide you with knowledge, inspiration, and a sense of community uh, so that you can create your own toolbox to fix and maintain mental health. And Oliver has a lot to share about his experience with anxiety uh, and a lot to say about the modern mental health landscape. Uh, But first, uh, I hope you enjoy our talk with Bruce. Uh, It was a fantastic experience meeting with him and and, uh, having dinner before we presented his his movie to us Uh, and we really learn a lot from Bruce about the Penang people and a fresh perception of modern anxiety and uh, the mental health condition. I'd really feel happy if other people are too. There's... Let's do it. So, um, Bruce, what do you think of the modern epidemic of anxiety? What do I think of it? Yeah. What do you think of the main causes? Uh, that's different. Um, God, you went straight in there, Tom, didn't straight you? In there, okay, yes. buddy. Um, well, I think we live in a stressful life. I think there's lots and lots of stuff. There's loads of pressures on us that, that perhaps haven't always been there. We seem to be piling them on ourselves as a society. And also, I think that um, the way we live isn't, you know, isn't necessarily as healthy for us in our minds and bodies as as perhaps it could be. Um, and yet, at the same time, we're incredibly successful. You know, we're we're creating the world we want, 
and in a funny sort of way, we're sort of slowly waking up to the fact that that might not be very healthy for us. All these things that we desire in life, it's like the, you know, the cheesecake. It's like, you no, know, it tastes great, but you have too much and it's not good. And it's the same with all of the personal space, all of the walls, all the buildings, all the riches, all the money, all of these things that we aspire to, we're slowly waking up to the fact that they might not be very healthy for us. And the, and the sort of net result of that is that we're, we're struggling and we're suffering, you know. Um, and so I see that. And, it's, and, it's, and the reason that I guess I have this very privileged insight is because I don't see the same stuff when I go and live with some of the tribal people that I spend time with. So what are the key differences between... Oh, it's quite a broad question, I know. You've, you're, um, you're quite good at that. <laughs> good. Um, between um, the indigenous people that you meet and people uh, that are perhaps suffering in modern society. Um, well, you know, obviously each indigenous group is very different in their own right, but I guess there are some things that, they, that, that I do experience when I'm with them that... that um, we don't have in the same way. And the biggest one is obviously connection. They're very connected. They're connected in their communities. They know everyone. You grow up, everybody around you that you grow up with, they know you intimately. You don't have to put on this facade of being another person. There's no anonymity. Everyone is, is intimate and known. Um, there's less walls and barriers. So you have this um, physical and psychological connection with everything around you too, including nature, which is also very, very important. They often have a, a, a unified belief in something, so there's that other aspect as well that gels them. They're connected to something that's bigger than themselves that they believe in. That's another form of connection. Mm -hmm. And they're connected to their body and senses in a much more profound and deep way, I think, than we are. They're, we're very much in our heads, and they seem to be much more in their bodies. and. Um, and then some groups especially are incredibly in their bodies, so much so that they are feeling an empathic connection to everything around them too. So in every sense, they have these levels of connection. And I think, as you know yourself, there's so much now that um, has been studied that shows a direct correlation between addiction and connection. You know, and, and I see it in my own life, you know, those times when I'm on my own editing, staring at a screen all day, I'm, I'm, I become incredibly addicted to Facebook and, and all these things or a whole bunch of stuff. I see myself falling into the void to, to kind of fill, fill the gap. And when I'm with my friends and having a good time or if I'm in, in, a, in nature, I don't feel that same type of need. And I think that they just have that on a daily basis. And I think it's really interesting that Connect, that uh, correlation between connection and addiction, and I definitely see that in my own life. Absolutely, yeah. So what do you do yourself to combat that addiction that's kind of ubiquitous? Um, well, I'm still working on it. Uh, well, one of the things is changing lifestyle. You know, I've realized that the lifestyle I was living, even though so many people look at it and say, wow, how lucky and privileged I am, and of course I am, there's still loads of aspects of it that are... Um, that are bringing me to this space where I'm kind of running to stand still and this sense of addiction rising within me. So um, moving out of the urban space has helped me a lot. Um, uh, I'm trying to find more community, putting in roots into a place so I get to know a landscape and people around me. I think that's another thing. But the biggest one are the tools that have been created over the eons by societies that have had this problem, like the spiritual practices, I mean, meditation is a massive tool that I've found great solace in that works incredibly well. Some of the plant medicines that I've had the privilege of taking 
um, have really helped me in a very profound, deep way to feel connected to something beyond the physical form of my being, which is another form of connection. Um, so, um, and, and being in nature, I mean, there's many, there's many, and I kind of mix them up. Um, but I would say that sort of ayahuasca and meditation have probably been the most profound ones for me. Wow, okay. So how do um, indigenous people use meditation in their daily routines? Well, this is just, you know, it's interesting because I've just made a film recently called To Why, and in that we kind of look at this very question. You know, it's like, I went to live with a group of people called the Panan who live in Borneo, and they were, they're existing in a way where I think they're meditating on a daily basis. You wouldn't call it meditating and they're not crossing their legs and like singing om, but they are in their body and senses, alert and aware in every moment to everything that's going on around them in a state of complete awareness in this moment. And to me, that is a meditation. And they're doing that because they're hunting. If you want to catch the monkey, you've got to be aware of your senses. You've got to be in your body. You've got to be alert. If you're drifting off in your mind, You'll, you won't feed your family and likewise foraging I learned to forage recently it's been an amazing journey for me and I used to go walking the dog and like staring at the horizon and drifting off in my mind thinking about other times and places but when I forage you have to be again alert in your senses where would that plant grow where is it I'm, I, you know, I have to be with it and so to me that's something that that has shifted over time agriculture has been one of those things that shifted that has has um, perhaps played its part in this subtle move away from the here and now to a, to a sort of uh, a, a lifestyle more based on thinking about the future and other times and places like the future harvest rather than the here and now and I think that in time we're all you know we're that is one of the things that's gone on so when you ask me, you know, how are they meditating? I think that things like hunting and gathering was a form of meditation. And that all that's happened since is this subtle shift away from the present. And that's why what we call spiritual practices are things that societies have discovered over the eons to enable us to come back to that place of feeling connected again. We call it spirituality or whatever, but they're just, that, that, that's just the label we've stuck on top of it. In actual fact, it's a form of reconnecting to that feeling of being part of something beyond yourself that I think is at the heart of what it is to be human. Great. So what advice would you give to someone who uh, is suffering, is, is trying to operate in the modern world, but is perhaps struggling? Is there any techniques that you could recommend to them alongside meditation? Yeah, I mean, it's, I just want to, I want to say that, um, you know, to reach out, we're all, we're all in this, we're all in it, you know, this is like, we're all struggling, every one of us, the person you look up to most in their private moments is full of their own addictions and problems and we're all, we've all got it, you know, and so I think that coming together and admitting it and, and accepting that our society is sick in many ways, mm. And that, yes, we're wonderful human beings and that we're all trying our very best and this shit has been going on for a long time. And yes, it's accelerating and getting worse, but, you know, we, we, we can get through this and that we have to, like, be open ourselves and admit it and be with it and come together. That's the biggest single thing we've got to get through is get rid of the stiff, um, stick-up 
us bullshit that we've grown up with and open our hearts and come together and experience life in a in a much more connected way that's the first thing and then secondly it's like this rampage that we're on towards sort of, sort of scientific materialism and like um, all of the you know so much of the way society is going about what understanding what's real and what's valuable I think uh, bringing that up for question is uh, sorry the pizza's just arrived so I've my <laughs> my uh, attention got suddenly <laughs> taken to one side don't worry thank you very much so I lost my thread in the middle of that but um Please, Thank you very much. I think I'll probably continue talking, otherwise <laughs> you, your listeners are going to have a really hard time keeping up with me. Um, I mean, I think that the reason things like meditation is taking off, yoga is taking off, is because people are genuinely having amazing results. As a, and these things have been crafted, you know, in parts of the world that have a very different understanding of spirit and matter to us we're a very material based society and a lot of these techniques have come from places like India which have a very different philosophy of life I think that though it might not be what our bastions of science and what we're learning at school and all that is saying but there's many people up and down the high street who are understanding that this resonates with them on a deep human level and it's working for them so I think that the time is now to question what we're learning at school in this sort of scientific material paradigm and allowing ourselves to open to this other this other aspect. So yeah, yoga, meditation coming from the East. Wow, thank you, God, how amazing. You know, 2000 years of like tr honing these practices to, to bring us into this place of opening up and being in our bodies and feeling awake again and connected. That's great. And, and I also think plant medicines, I go to the people I meet in the forest and they, they have medicines. Nearly every medicine that we have in our hospitals comes from plants, you know, plants and us, and that relationship is our medicinal space very often. And so you go to the people in the forest and they have medicines to stop the blood flow, they have medicines to stop the swelling, they have medicines to stop the headache, and they also have, like we do, but they also, in their medicine cabinet, if you will, they also have something for the psyche. Thank you very much for your time. Cool, man. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I'm really sorry. You went straight in there, Tom. I know. I'm <laughs> so no, 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 mate. We've only, we, only, we only had well, 10 minutes. So. Stuck for time. Um, God, I'm yeah, exhausted. <laughs> Bruce Parry, what a fascinating uh, and passionate documentary maker he is. It was an absolute pleasure to spend time with him and uh, learn more about the Penan people, uh, get a fresh insight into the modern mental health condition. Uh, if you haven't seen his movie Tawai, go check it out. It's a beautiful meditative documentary that gives you a really profound insight into the lives of the Penan people from Borneo. Uh, but next up, we speak to the founder of Head Talks, a platform to share content and support other people uh, and, and receive support uh, for those with mental health conditions. Oliver, thank you very much for talking to us. No problem. Um, so, could you explain to me what Head Talks is all about? So Head Talks is a digital platform um, around well-being and mental health. I guess on an optimistic day, which isn't every day, um, I wanted it to be the TED Talks of the mind. And it's actually not just for people that struggle, it's for everybody who wants to be a better version than themselves. So just as you've heard Bruce talking about issues of the mind and ways he's found healing, 
TED Talks is a platform of podcasts, of videos, of blogs, of a variety of different ways to feel better about yourself. So it's not just conventional um, therapies, which are featured and holistic treatments, but it's also things you can adapt into your into your everyday life, like cold water swimming, for example, has been proved to have a really positive impact in reducing um, levels of stress and anxiety. Um, you know, if you ask me what's in my toolbox for for anxiety you know it's definitely meditation as bruce mentioned um that's something i take very seriously and practice a lot i mean exercise is the best antidepressant there is um i think also journaling is is very powerful and then the the sort of grateful compassion aspect of buddhism as something that uh you know i feel great empathy with um there are loads more but i can't remember them but if you go onto the website, you can create, through the toolbox function, you can create your own playlists, a bit like with music, and create your own sort of, I guess, um, plan for well-being, um, and save those and share them with friends and things like that. So I'm also thinking of other things now for my own toolbox, like listening to music really loudly. I love walking in nature, um, reaching out to friends if I'm having a dark moment. Um, and also, most importantly, just accepting that that's okay. It's okay to not be okay. Um, and actually, we all have different levels of negative emotions, anxiety, depression, anger, guilt, whatever those might be. Um, so yeah, going back to that communication and connection, it's like, just be real and talk about it. Fantastic. So I mean, it sounds like an amazing platform that you've created here. Um, and quite new as well. I don't know anything that's quite like it at all. Could you tell me how you created it and how your journey with, with the platform? So my journey is a long journey and too too long to go into the details now but essentially it was through a crisis of my own um, that led to, to head talks um, coming to fruition and that crisis was substance abuse it was a very dark depression and a very difficult time for me but at the same time I kind of knew that something positive would come out of it and I'm a on my commercial life, I'm a speaker agent, so I look after um, politicians and business leaders who get paid to give talks around the world. And that's where this idea of kind of TED Talks, head talks came about. And I wanted to bring together everything in one place in a very accessible, unstigmatic way, um, especially focused to, to young people, um, where you can share videos very easily, listen to podcasts, I mean, it's a, it's a young journey. We, you know, we started on Blue Monday last year, which is the 16th of January, the most depressing day of the year. And, um, you know, we're very ambitious and we want to get to a point where we can not only give the content so that people can create their own journey, but also give the action plan to make their weekly well-being plan. So, like, if you watch a video on journaling, we can give tips on how to go about doing that on a journal so I guess the end vision is an app of some sort so I'm told so yeah that's that's the journey that's fantastic so do you know what the most or what do you expect to be the most common problem that people have that they'll be seeking advice and help for well I think um, if we're talking about young people and you know we're doing as much as we can in schools 
I think anxiety levels are peaking. Um, and I mean really going through the roof. Um, and with that is issues of body image, anorexia, eating disorders. Um, I mean, those are almost much worse than the kind of more traditional bullying. Um, I mean, you know, there's stress from exams and stuff like that. But clearly there is something going profoundly wrong um, in our society. Social media clearly is having a massive impact, as is just this kind of constant pressure for children to perform, you know, um, at something and not be allowed to fail, you know. Um, and so I think, yeah, for me, social media technology has a lot to answer for. It's done a lot of good, don't get me wrong, but it's given this, um, this false illusion of a perfect life, which is, you know, doesn't exist and is putting kids under tremendous pressure. It's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Yeah. So where do you think uh, mental health is going? Do you think it's going to get worse as, thing, as the intensity of the world increases or are we now combating it to a point where... Well, I think the well, positive news is that the stigma is finally being broken down. Um, it's still got some way to go, but it's getting there. You know, So the fact that we're just talking is a great thing. Um, the problem is, is that there isn't... People, we can't um, meet the demand. So now everyone's thinking, well, I've been miserable for so long. I'm going to call um, a charity hotline or the NHS. And but the trouble is they're only offering CBT and medication. And so what we really need is we need to take examples from around the world where, like in Japan, um, you know, walking in the woods in Blossom is part of the social security system. Yeah, so that is part of their health system. You know, in, in Sweden, they have ambulances for mental health, so not for physical health. Um, so that gives you an idea of how far we've got to do, go. And we've, we've got to innovate and realise that we're all unique in terms of where we get our recovery and inspiration from. So one size fits all doesn't fit and doesn't work in this space you have to go on a journey and so it's giving people that education in an inspirational way which is like what what i really hope head talks can do fantastic so you're, you're normalizing essentially normalizing this world of positive mental health yeah. totally i mean you know it's the the, the the way the way that we communicate and the way that we have designed it is so that you're not looking over your shoulder thinking i'm looking at a mental health site you know, it's just real. Fantastic. Well, I think what you've done is amazing um, and completely necessary. So thank you very much for your time, Oliver. I look forward to your, your talk. Pleasure. Oliver Chittenden, what an absolute pleasure it was to speak to him and learn more about mental health conditions and head talks. In the next episode, we'll be speaking to Johnny Benjamin, the author of Stranger on the Bridge. Now, Johnny went to end his life, but fortunately was talked down by a complete stranger. Uh, Johnny opens up about his entire story uh, and speaks very candidly about his mental health conditions. Thank you so much for listening to the Healthy for Men podcast series in association with Holland the Barrett. I've been Tom Rowley. Uh, and don't forget to look out for the latest issue of Healthy for Men magazine available in any Holland the Barrett store throughout the UK. 
Uh, we've got Jason Statham donning our cover for this issue. Jason talks about the caveman diet for Olympic strength, Navy SEAL muscle. Uh, we also look at the myths of nutrition. What's the most important diet for you? Should you be cutting your carbs, cutting your fat, or cutting your calories? We also offer the comprehensive guide to building a stronger core. Uh, if it's functional ability you want, then this is for you. Also, if you're just looking for a nice set of abs, this will get you where you need to be. Thank you so much for listening. All the best, and we'll see you next time on the Healthy for Men podumentary series.